Go with me, please, to Psalms, the 55th Psalm. We've been on this for some weeks now. I believe we're coming near to the, uh, the end of this series. Boy, I sure have enjoyed it. Yes. Have you enjoyed it? Yes. And uh, if you haven't been with us, let me encourage you to uh, go online. Download all the previous messages. You can watch them, listen to them. If you're in the building, you can go back, get a hard copy. It won't cost you anything. Catch up with us. Psalm 55, 22. He said, cast your burden upon the Lord. Who's understood subject here? Who's going to do that? Is the Lord going to do that for you? No, that's not his job. He told you to do it. That's what we're to do. You cast your burden on the Lord. Brother Hagin said, a uh, lady came to him one time, Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr., and said, Brother Hagin, I want you to pray for me. And she, he said, what for? He said, well, she began to cry. And when she stopped, she said, uh, the burdens of life are just, they're so heavy. And uh, he said, well, what do you want me to, to pray? And she said, well, uh, I want you to pray that the Lord would take about half of my burdens away. She said, I think I could, I think I could deal with half of them. And, and she said, he said, I, I can't pray that, sister. She said, well, why not? He said, well, it's unscriptural. He don't want you to have half of them. He don't want you to carry any of them. Is that right? Casting all your care on him. Because he cares for you. Be careful for nothing. So he don't want you to carry a part of them. He wants you to carry none of them. What's a burden? It's a weight. It's a pressure. It's something that weighs on you, weighs on your mind, weighs on your heart, puts pressure on you. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Yes, well, sure you have. And so what do you do when you feel something like that? That, uh, come on, we've been doing this for weeks now. And uh, what do you do? You cast... Cast, which means, you know, to throw, get it off of you, and throw it on him. And he said, if you do that, he's going to do something. What's, what's he going to do? And he shall sustain you. How many believe the word of the Lord? Say it out loud. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain you. The word sustain is translated in other places to keep, to nourish, to feed, to provide, to guide, to hold, to uphold. I think it's all kind of summed up in that word keep. He's going to keep you. How? In every way. Keep you. But what do you got to do? You can't yield to worry and fear. You can't hold on and let that pressure sit on you. And don't start crying and say, I can't. I've tried, but I just can't. That's a lie. If you believe you can't, you're in serious trouble. Well, I just can't help but worry. I can't, I can't help. That is a lie. How do I know it's a lie? Because the Lord told you, <laughs> right, to cast it on him. Would he know whether you could do it or not? And if he told you to do it, just by right of him telling you to do it, you know. Well, I must be able to do it. And if you couldn't do it before he told you to do it, when he told you to do it, his word is empowerment. His word is enablement. There's no word of God void of power. So when he told you to do it, now you can. Just like Peter, when he said, Lord, if that's you walking on the water, tell me to come. He couldn't walk on the water yet. But when the Lord says, come, now he can. I said, now he can. 
Is there any power in that word that can enable him to do what he could not do under any circumstances before he heard that word? Somebody say there's power in his words. Go with me to the 91st Psalm. We've looked at this numerous times. And again, please, if, if this is your first time with us, you haven't heard any of the previous parts of this, we're on part number 12, I think. I mean, we've covered a lot of ground before we got to here. And you need to hear what, how many that have been here would agree, they need to hear what came before, right? Because what we're doing now is built on that. You know, it's kind of like the Lord will help us and and meet us, but to get the full part, you know, you don't just want to, having never heard about addition, to drop in on an algebra class. (laughs) Right? You you need to have heard all of that and build up to it. In Psalm 91, verse 1, Psalm 91 Verse 1, I'm reading the Young's literal translation. He who is dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, in the shade of the mighty, lodges habitually. This is where you live. We don't visit the secret place of the Most High. It's our permanent address. He is saying of Jehovah, my refuge is. And my bulwark, my God, I trust in him. A lot of people hold the 91st Psalm very dear. And they talk about it in connection with protection. And that's all right. But a whole lot of people don't realize that all of this Psalm is not just what God does. A bunch of this is what we do. He starts off by saying, by talking about what I'm saying. I'm saying, God is my refuge. I'm saying, God is my shelter. I trust him. To what? To keep me. Take care of me. Now, if you skip down to verse 16, Psalm 91, 16. He said, with length of days, I will satisfy him. Are you satisfied yet? Well, keep going. And I cause him to look on my salvation. Another translation said, I will give him a long, satisfying life, fulfilling life, and I will show him how I can save. Now, what we see here, as we've spent a lot of time camping in this psalm in previous parts of this series... But we saw how did the psalmist make it to old age? How did he make it? Well, the snare of the fowler didn't get him. Is that right? The noisome pestilence didn't get him. The arrow flying by day didn't get him. The plague didn't come near his house. Come on, do you see this? He was sustained through every one of these things enabling him to make it all the way. Somebody say all the way. All to make it all the way until he's satisfied. This sounds like he's reached the end of his course, doesn't it? He's satisfied knowing that I've done everything I was supposed to do in this life. And I'm ready to go. How did you make it this far when so many didn't? He kept me. He sustained me. Oh, can anybody see this? He sustained me. The new century, like I said, said, verse 16, I will give them a long, full life and they will see how I can save. Somebody ought to say that out loud. He will give me a long Full life and show me how he can save me. He's going to show me how he can keep me from here all the way to the end. Glory to God. I'm going with Jesus all the way. Is that what they were singing about? 
makes no difference what the devil may say or try or do. I don't have to die young. I don't have to die wrong. I don't have to go early. I don't have to go from some accident or from some stinking disease. Come on, are you listening to me? Is God bigger than all of that? Is he able to keep me through my whole life, my whole course until I'm old? I'm so old. The old people call me old. And I've seen it all. Done it all, wrote the book, and have a t-shirt. Is that right? And and I finished my course. I've run my race. And the Lord said, Keith, whatever your name is, you can come home. Come on. Come on. You finished with everything I wanted you to do. You can come on home. Oh, hallelujah. And you weren't cut off in youth. Are in midlife. You didn't miss out on things you were supposed to be a part of. Now I know you can get to thinking about heaven. And talking about heaven. And it it sure sounds wonderful. And you think well let's just go tonight. You'll be there soon enough. Life is so brief. It's like a vapor. It's It's like a mist. You don't want to get out of here too quick. You don't want to leave. Before you've done. Completed your mission. And you've done what you're put here to do. Because it will affect other things. What you want to do. Is have sown every good seed you were supposed to. Helped every part of every person. Every part of the work of God you were supposed to. And so the Lord tarries his coming. If it went that long. 200 years from now. You're in heaven. And your investments down here. Are racking up. They're just paying. Seed that you sowed. 200 years before. Has multiplied. Affecting the world. There'll be plenty of time. To kick back later. Plenty. Plenty of time. And you don't want to leave early either. You know. Because who's going to have to do your work. Us. I mean, something's got to be done, and you didn't do it. Somebody's going to have to do it. And I don't think we'll have a bunch of fussing in heaven, but you know, you could look up one day and all of us is in your front yard. <laughs> and we might say, hey, what was the deal? <laughs> Leaving early, we had to do your work and ours too. Anyway, believe God, yeah. overcome. Come on, are you listening? Stay as long as you're supposed to. And then go when you and God's good and ready for you to go. Come on, say it out loud again. He will satisfy me with long life and show me how he can save me. Go with me to Psalm 121. You're there close by. There's so many good things in the book of Psalms. About this and through the whole word. Psalm 121 verse 1. I'm reading the ESV. The English standard version. He said I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Now he's not saying his help comes from the hills. (laughs) He just lifted up his eyes looking up. Where does my help come from? Then he tells you where his help comes from. My help comes from the Lord who made the hills and the valleys and the oceans and the seas and the skies. Is that right? The heaven and the earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. You know why I can sleep? Like a baby. Because he never does. And he keeps me. Scripture said it's vain. Get up early. And sit up late. To eat the bread of sorrows. That's talking about worrying about stuff. You ought to sleep. You ought to sleep. With such peace. Why? Because underneath. 
are the everlasting arms. And God's working on stuff while you're napping. For real. If you go to sleep in fear, you leave the door open. And that's a lot of times why people have nightmares. Don't go to sleep worrying and scared. Don't do it. You say, well, how do I keep from doing that? Praise God. Praise yourself to sleep. Something's bothering you. Do what we've been talking about. Cast it over on the Lord and start thanking him and praising him. Get the word in your ear. Sometimes I like to play a chapter of scripture passage that I'm listening to. You know, you, your spirit doesn't sleep. But anyway, you can rest because he's on the job. He who keeps you will not slumber. Say it out loud. The one who keeps me, who keeps me never sleeps. Never sleeps. That's, why I That's why I sleep great. Sleep great. <laughs> Keep reading. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So important. He's told you again. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day. Why? Because I'm in the shade. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Under the, under the shadow of the Almighty. The sun won't strike me by day. The moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Come on, somebody needs to say that out loud over yourself. The Lord will keep me from all evil. He will keep my life. The Lord will keep my going out and my coming in from this time forth and forevermore. From now on. From now on. From now on. From right now, this time. Forth. Forevermore. That's not just this life. That's past this life. God is keeping me. He's keeping me. He's keeping me. You'll find this over and over again. The 23rd Psalm. Is talking about the same thing. What does it say? The Lord. Is my shepherd. Why do you not want? He leads you beside the still waters. Right? You lay down in the fat green pasture. He restores your soul. He's supporting you. Physically. Soulically. Come on. Can you see this? Is your shepherd keeping you? Is he taking care of you? Watching out for you? Leading you? Guiding you? Protecting you? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I won't even be afraid. I won't won't even be afraid. Where's the shadow of death? Death is so close. Death's shadow is touching you. And what do you say? I'm not afraid. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's somebody bigger than death. There's somebody that has conquered death. Hallelujah. He's my brother and my Lord. Hallelujah. He's keeping me. He goes on to say, He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Does it sound like you you are being kept? You are one blessed sheep. You got the best shepherd in the universe. Is that right? He takes excellent care of you. Now read, what's the last verse? Verse 6. Surely. Goodness and mercy will follow me. Half the days of my life. Huh? Up to 60%. 
all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's going to keep me after this life. He's keeping me now. From here. Forward. Forever. Oh somebody say thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. We read this a few weeks ago in Hebrews 13. 5 and 6. He said I will never leave you. Nor forsake you. Didn't he say that? The Amplified says, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. The Weiss translation says, I like this. He says, he himself has said, and the statement is on record. I will not, I will not cease to sustain you and uphold you. I will not, I will not, I will not let you down. How long is he going to be with you? He said, I'm not going to leave you. Now you can leave him. I said, you can leave him. And leave his way. But if you want to stay with him and walk with him, he's never going to leave you. He's not going to leave you. You remember Matthew 28. Jesus said in verse 18, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Verse 20, he said, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You know, I think sometimes people are in a religious habit of saying, oh, Jesus, please be with me. Oh, Jesus, please go with me. He said, I'm with you and I'll never leave you. Didn't he say it? Do we need to beg him to not leave us? He's already told you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm with you. Always. Even unto the end of the world, to the end of the age. Now look with me in 2 Timothy, please. 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. And verse 6. Paul, by the Spirit of God, says, I am now ready. Let's turn that around. I'm ready now to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. What's he talking about departure? He's talking about physical death. And physical death is not to cease to exist. It's not the end. It's a transition. He calls it departure. Well, what would a birth be then? An arrival. Just like at the airport. You got arrivals and you got departures. Today, there were all these arrivals, babies being born all over the earth. They just arrived. And also, about every 1.8 seconds, I think, almost two every second or so, left somewhere in the world. Two more. Two more. Two more. So people are leaving in mass. One of these days, you and I will be. Sayonara. See you later. Huh? <laughs> Paul said, I'm ready. Does this sound like Psalm 91:16? With long life, I'll satisfy you. Does he sound like he's satisfied? He has some kind of sense of being fulfilled. I'm ready. If you say I'm ready now, what does that mean? It means earlier you wasn't ready. <laughs> but now you are. You're ready now. And the time of my departure is at hand. He knew it was close. And if you walk close with the Lord, you'll know too. You'll know I'm, we're winding this thing up. How many know you're not going to stay here forever? 
on this planet. You did know that, right? You hear people act just, well, well, what if I die, honey? (laughs) The Lord tarries his coming is that much longer. You are going to die. You and everybody around you. Just look at the generations that have lived before us. Nobody from the 1600s are here. You can't find a one. Is that right? And the Lord tarries his coming just a few more years. None of us will be down here. And for the believer, that's nothing to be afraid of. That's nothing to dread. That's something actually to look forward to. Amen. And you can hear him. Verse 7. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. What a good example. He didn't leave with things unfinished that he should have finished. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now we've talked about this before in Revelation we saw that the Lord told them because you've kept my word I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial. We talked about how that Adam didn't keep the charge God gave him to keep the garden. As long as he did God was able to keep them and keep them in the garden. But when they failed to keep what God gave them to keep, he could no longer keep them. And do you believe if by the grace of God, Paul was able to keep the faith, to keep the charge, to keep the ministry God called him to, did God keep him? You know he did. How did he make it this far? Now we've already gone through. Second Corinthians talks about it a lot. Paul went through a bunch of stuff. Didn't he? Let me remind you. 2 Corinthians, the first chapter. He talked about how he he felt crushed. Despaired of life itself. Well, let me read this to you first. 2 Corinthians 11 was where he went into detail. He gave him a long list of stuff he made it through. Five times. Somebody say five times. Five times. He was beat with the 39 stripes. Five different occasions. That's a lot of whooping. That's a lot of being beat. Did God sustain him through all those beatings? Three times he was beat with rods. Different kind of beating. Paul was beat up a lot. One time he was stoned. They thought they killed him. And maybe they did. Or close to it. God raised him up either way. Did God sustain him? I said, did God sustain him? Through the beatings. Did he make it through? He said he bobbed up and down like a cork in the ocean. (laughs) A night and a day. Perils of waters, robbers, countrymen, heathen in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, in weariness, painfulness, watchings, hunger, thirst, cold, nakedness. Did he make it through all of it? And he went to those countries and he went to those cities and he preached anyway and he started those churches anyway. Come on, are you listening? He did it all. Did God sustain him? The arrow didn't get him. The pestilence didn't get him. The spies didn't get him. Is that right? The government agents didn't get him. And now here he is, an old man, and he has reached the end of his course. He can see the finish line right over there. Hallelujah. Departure has come up on the board. It's about to leave here just pretty quick. And he has that sense of satisfaction. Did God keep him? Yes. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. God kept him. Even though he went through all these things. And I want you to see a, a big part of his faith in this. In that first passage we referred to, chapter 1, 2 Corinthians 1. When he talked about on this particular occasion, he thought he would die. He thought that was it. But he went on to say that he just put everything in the hands of God who raises the dead. 
Now, if God can raise the dead, he can sustain you another 20 years or 40 years or 50, whatever it is, till you finish your course. Come on, you need to say that out loud. If God can raise the dead, he can keep me the rest of my life. And Paul said he did this. He, he saved us, and we ex- I'm reading the Living Bible. We expect him to do it again and again. The message says, and this is verse 10, he did rescue us from certain doom, and he'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. Thank you, Lord. Weymouth says, it is, he it is who rescued us from so imminent a death and will do so again. And we have a firm hope in him that he will also rescue us in all the future. Did he have a conviction, a full persuasion that no matter what he encountered today or tomorrow or next year or 20 years from now, Just like God rescued him through all those other things, those beatings, those shipwrecks, all that. If God could bring him through that, he could bring him through this. How many would testify? God's already brought you through some things to make it this far. Come on, would you, could you say that? You know it. He's brought us through so many things. Well, is he going to quit keeping us now? He brought us this far. And a lot of us are in better shape to believe him now than we were 20 years ago, right? right. (laughs) No. Somebody say all the way. way. He has delivered me. me. And he will deliver me me. again and again again. to the end. end. I'm not talking about to the end of your life, to the end of this course, to the end of this race. But I want you to notice something else in Acts 20, verse 24. When they were warning him and telling him that bonds and affliction were waiting on him in Jerusalem. In verse 24, he said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear to myself so that I might do what? Finish my course. I like this next two words. How many understand Finish your course with joy is not this. Because <laughs> the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you hit the finish line with joy, you hit the finish line with strength. You didn't barely make it. You strode across. You actually were able to smile for the camera. You still had strength. You still had momentum. Why? Because God is keeping me. He blessed me. And he kept me from all harm. (laughs) God is keeping me. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. The Heroes Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11, you'll see this with every one of them. Every one of them. The same thing. I was thinking today about this. We, We looked at this, but do you remember Joshua and Caleb? We talked about them. And what killed the whole generation of the rest of the people, God kept them through. They endured it. Didn't they? Forty years. In the wilderness. Because of the unbelief and sins of the people. The word had said. Every man. Twenty years old and above. Was going to die out there. The psalmist said. A thousand may fall. At this side. Ten thousand. On this side. But it won't come near me. That's what Joshua and Caleb were believing. But it wasn't a thousand. 
It was 250,000 over on this side, 350,000 or 400 over on this because it was 600,000 men age 20 and above. And the Bible said the only two that made it through was Caleb and Joshua. Friends, you got to believe something different than the world's believing. You can't be conformed to this world. Joshua and Caleb, for those 40 years out there in the desert, they had to look at each other across the campfire at night and say, you going in? You got that right. I'm going. You going in too, right? Yeah, we going in. The Lord told us we're going in. Age passes. They're 50. They're 60. They're 70. They're 80. People are dying right and left by the thousands all around them. You know, when you got that much death around, it's in the air. People expect it. And people give up and quit. But not Joshua. Not Caleb. They had another spirit about them, the Bible said. Different spirit. And when he was 80 years old, we read it. He said, give me this mountain. He said, God has kept me, sustained me. I'm as good a man today as I was those 40 years ago. Give me my mountain. Friend, you got to have it in your mind. A lot of people in this world are not making it. Their whole race. Many, many, many. Millions of people on the planet. Many of them not even finding their race. They're not even starting on their course. That's also why a lot die young and premature. Is God obligated to keep us? And sustain us for some more decades so we can rebel against his will and plan? No. No. If you want his full keeping power... You got to get in his plan. You can see Paul, he was kept, but what was he? He said, I, I, I don't count my life dear to myself. What's he thinking about? He's not thinking about his life. He's thinking about finishing the course God has for him. And he was kept too. I said he was kept. Somebody say he was kept. Joshua was kept. Caleb was kept. David was kept. Elijah was kept. Jesus was kept. Was he kept till he finished his race and finished his course? Paul was kept, we said. How about you? How about you? How about you? And I'm kept too. I'm kept. Somebody say, I'm going to run my race. I'm going to finish my course. With joy. Don't forget that part when you say it. Don't, don't, don't forget that part. With joy. <laughs> With joy. Go to Philippians 1. will be a good place for you right now. The Lord wants us to believe him to keep us to the end until we have run our race, completed our mission, and finished our course. That he would satisfy us with a long enough life to complete our mission. And the way he's going to do that is he's going to show us how he can save us from this, from that, from the other. Everything the enemy had planned that was supposed to derail us or cut us short or hinder us, like Paul said, he delivered me, and he will deliver me again, and again, every time I need rescuing, from here throughout the future, from this day forward, forever. How many in this for the long term? Are you? We're not trying it. We're doing it. We're committed. And if God be for me, who can be against me? If God and I are in agreement that I need to stay longer 
and accomplish this. What difference does it make? What kind of disease tried to attack me? Is the disease bigger than God? What difference does it make? What kind of accident or what kind of stuff the enemy tried to do? I, By God's help and grace, I will be able to overcome every one. Is that right? Be healed, be sustained, be kept until I finished my course with joy. In Philippians, no, no, we read in Second Timothy, Paul said, "I'm ready now." What did we say that meant? Well, part of it meant that before now he wasn't ready. Philippians, are you there? First chapter, 20th verse. Philippians 1.20, he says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Now, uh, if God's will is accomplished, he's glorified by our coming in and by our race. And by our departure. How many know there's a right way to die. And there's a wrong way to die. You can die young. You can die early. You can die wrong. Or there's a right way to die. I like to read about sometimes. uh, Israel. uh, When it came time for him to go. Called all his sons into the room. Remember that? Said I'm leaving. Called them all into the room. Braced himself up in the bed, prophesied over all of them, prayed over all of them, and then gave up the ghost. He's out of there. Now that's the way to go. I said, that's the way to go. And the scripture says, let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. Come on, everybody ought to say that right now. Let me die the death of the righteous. And let my last end end be like his. his. Has the Lord made you righteous? He has. So it's available to us. If we're committed to doing his will and plan. And keeping that. He has full rights to keep us. Even when many others are not. But so much of it's up to us. So much of it's up to us. He said. Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. You can glorify God as you live. You can glorify God in your death, the way you left. Keep reading. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Won't you say that out loud three times? To die die is gain. gain. To die die is gain. gain. Sorry for your loss. To die is loss. Sorry for your loss. Were they believers? If they're believers, did they lose? Did we lose them forever? No, you know where they are. You're going to see them again. We need to get rid of the world's terminology. To die is not loss. And we're not to emphasize loss. We lost so-and-so. Did you hear? We lost so-and-so. Sorry for your loss. Do you hear how the world has filled people's mouths with loss, 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 loss? And that's why you people sorrow like those who have no hope. But no, to die as a believer is gain. You gained something. They gained something. Keep reading. To live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose I want not. Keep reading. I'm in a straight betwixt two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ. Which is far better. Amen. You can tell he's been thinking about it. Yep. Hmm? He's been thinking about it. I could just go today. <laughs> I could just go today. Lord, the churches are doing pretty good, aren't they? Hmm? I am getting older. 
Oh man, what heaven must be like. I can pal around with the patriarchs. I can hang with Jesus. Mm. I'll just come on right now. <laughs> what I shall choose. I'm in a strait betwixt two. Having to depart, be with Christ, which is far better. Keep reading. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Now, we just got through reading in Timothy. He said, my departure is at hand. I'm ready now. Here's a point where he kind of wanted to be ready, but he really wasn't ready. He would like to have been ready, but when he got to examining his heart, he had to admit, I'm not ready. To abide in the flesh. He's getting ready to go. And he looks at the churches and he goes, you need help. (laughs) You're not quite ready for me to go. Was this really in his hands? See, here's where religious tradition kicks in. People go, no. There's a time to die. And when your time comes, no, that's wrong thinking. Bible didn't say it's appointed unto man a time to die. It says appointed unto man once to die. To die one time. There's not a time, 3.30 in the afternoon on a Thursday. And when your number's up, you're out of here. That's just not true. There are things you can do that can lengthen your days. There's things you can do that will shorten your days. And you know who so much of it lies with? You. You, you can give up and quit and go early. Or you can submit yourself to the captain of your salvation. Come on, are you listening? He said, request permission to come home, sir. (laughs) He says, no, soldier. You're not through with your tour. What do you say? Sir, yes, sir. (laughs) Thankful to serve. Glad to be here. Here we go. Put your armor on. Strap it on. Get busy. Is that right? Because soon it will be up. To abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Now friend, as we read about Paul himself, there were times in his life where he was pushed, he said beyond measure. He no strength. He, he was beyond what he could deal with. And in such times, you got to have a strong reason to hold on. Don't you? You need a strong purpose to live and to stay. Which is why you need to find your place and get in there and get committed and, and get involved in what you're supposed to be doing because doing nothing Everybody gets tired of doing nothing, and you're ready to get out of here. But no, there's something you're supposed to be doing. Find it. Get in it. Both feet, your time, your resources, your talents. He said, having this confidence, I know I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. This is a real man of God. He picks their well-being over his preference to go now. Is that right? And he has he has he done more already than most men and women that lived on the planet for the kingdom of God? Yes, but that's not all there is to it. Jesus really is his Lord. And when he gets to talking to the master about it, he realizes, no, I need to stay and help them some more. They need me. It'll help you for me to stay a little longer. So he did. He stayed longer. How many believe those other months and years that he stayed was valuable to them and valuable to the body of Christ? Precious, valuable. The psalmist said, now, Lord, when I'm old and gray-headed, don't forsake me until I've shown your power and your glory to the generation to come. You know, a lot of times, just about time people learn something about God, they get ready to leave. There was one of the first people I ministered healing to back when I was a teenager. 
I first got a hold of the word of God about healing. I found out Galatians 3.13, I'd been redeemed from the curse of the law. And I, you couldn't hold me down after that. And I wasn't a preacher and just a young man. But one of the ladies in our church who was a mother in the church. Anybody know what I mean by that? And uh, she was stricken with so-called terminal cancer in the hospital, bed fast. Sister Luna Kay. And I, I had to almost go by the hospital on my way to work. So I thought, she's got to hear about being redeemed from the curse of the law. So I came and I, I, I said, she's always, she's a wonderful, gracious woman. Uh, of course, we, small community, small church. Uh, we, you know, she's actually kinfolks. And so uh, I came and I tried to tell her about being redeemed from the curse of the law. And, and she was like, oh, that's great, honey. And I could tell it just didn't get through somewhere or another. So I tried to tell her about by stripes were healed. And she was like, praise the Lord. And, and didn't seem to get through either. And so I, I just kept coming. I mean, weeks passed, you know. And, and they said, you know, she doesn't have long to live. And she's bedfast. And I thought, well, Lord, help me. I don't, I'm as green as can be. I mean, I'm, I'm having to use a concordance to find any of the scriptures. And, but she was so gracious. I said, can I read this scripture to you, sister? She said, oh, sure, baby. Sit down here and read the scripture. Oh, you want to. So I would. But same thing. She said, well, honey, I've lived a good life. And the Lord's been good to me. And I just want whatever the Lord wants. If it's his will. It just somehow or another couldn't, couldn't get it to click. Weeks passed by. But then eventually. I read her. Psalm 91, 16. That you and I are shouting about tonight. With long life. He'll satisfy me. And show me his salvation. I read her that. She sparked up a little bit. She said man that's a good scripture. I said it is a good scripture. I got stirred up then. I thought okay. It's like getting a nibble on your line when you're fishing. I thought. Mm. So you want to you wanna swish that one around some more. I said. Uh, and I know it was the Lord. Because I, I didn't know enough to even tell her this. But the, the spirit of God just quickened me. I, I said sister. I said you're important to the church. You know, when you get up and testify, it just blesses the whole congregation. She said, I do enjoy church. And I said, you know, us young people, we're just coming up. We need to know some of the things that you've learned. You, you, have you passed all that off yet? Have, have, have you done? Is there anything else that you feel like you need to do? She said, well, well, I, I knew I had it then. <laughs> she, she said, well. With that one well, I knew, I knew. Well, there are some things. I said, well, it said, it said, with long life, he'll satisfy you. I said, are you satisfied? She said, well, I, I'd, I'd like a little bit more. I said, he said, he said, it. she said, he did say it. I said, he said it. He said it. <laughs> she said, well, he, he did say it. And I could see a gleam in her eye. You know, what are we talking about? Faith comes yes, by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The next time I came, you know who brought up being satisfied? She did. She brought it up. And you know what happened in a few weeks? She left the hospital and went home. Oh, somebody say glory to God. And in a few days more, she's standing up in the church house, testifying, testifying. Oh, come on, are you listening? She was on a deathbed. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. So much of it, friends, is up to us. If we get tired and we quit, well, we'll go. That's not necessarily that it was God's perfect will. Or that we finished our race and course. If you're saved, you'll go to heaven. You know, you love the Lord. He loves you. But don't be robbed of even one day that you should have down here. Come on, are y'all with me? Because it has to do with fruit. And fruit that remains. And the kingdom. And reward. I mentioned it earlier. I mentioned it again. I, uh, Phyllis and I talk about it once in a while. I said, do you know? The Lord tarries his coming. You know, this word supply keeps getting built up. These churches keep getting built up. In, in years to come, 
centuries to come if the Lord tarries that long or, or even decades. You and I could be in heaven shouting the glory and the work is, the, the, the dividends are still just piling up, just piling up on the planet of seed that we sowed in our life. Does that appeal to you at all? Come on, does that, does that mean anything to you? Then you don't want to be robbed of one day, one day of an opportunity to invest into the kingdom, to make a difference. Because the seed that you sow, you might not notice it that big. Even in a, the next day or two or three. You know, uh, Brother Hagin, my spiritual father, Kenneth Hagin Sr., who's in heaven now. Back in the 40s, 50s, he's driving around all in his car by himself. Biggest crowd he's preaching to might be 100, 200. And... Uh, he said he'd be somewhere two, three, four, five, six weeks at a time or longer. And at the end of the meeting, he'd get in his car and drive away, and tears would just flow down his cheek. He said, God, we've got to get this word out. Everybody needs this. How can we get this word out? He couldn't see reaching the people that needed to be reached in his Oldsmobile. Him preaching to 200 people. But God had a plan. I said, God had a plan. God had a plan. And eventually there's a Bible school and thousands of students. And you're looking at one of them. And so, Brother Hagin's ministry, you are fruit of it in this church. The word, come on, can you see that? They're in heaven. They're enjoying glory. And fruit is abounding off of those seeds that he sowed back there. You don't know the seed you're sowing now, what kind of harvest and impact it could have 20 years, 100 years, 200 years. If the Lord tarried is coming, you don't know what kind of impact. You might never see the fullness of it, but it can explode. The devil knows this. And so his perfect will for you, the devil's perfect will, is to take you to hell with him. You already missed that. <laughs> you just totally missed the perfect will of the devil for your life. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Now, if he can't do that, then the acceptable will of the devil is for you to go to heaven. Now, get out of here so you cannot influence anybody else. With the word, with the love of God, with the faith of God, with the spirit of God. So he wants you, he wants to get you out of here as quickly as possible. But you don't have to go until you and God get good and ready. Good and ready. Come on, somebody say, I ain't going. I ain't going. Till me and God are good and ready for me to go. Come on, stand up on your feet. I want you to say some other things. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God is keeping me. God is keeping me. God is keeping me. Can he keep you? Even though thousands fall on each side. Even though millions don't make it. To their full length of life. Could God still cause you to make it? Can you? Well you're going to have to believe something different than they believe. You're going to have to believe that he can. That he will. That he is. Hallelujah. Come on close your eyes. Lift up your hands. Oh hallelujah. 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 Pray this out loud with me, then pray in the Spirit some. Say, Father God, thank you for letting me live, letting me exist, be a spirit being, and a child of yours, a redeemed one. Thank you for the privilege. I know I'm here for a reason. I know I'm alive right now. In this time, in this place, for divine purpose, 
Reveal it to me. Help me to see my place and my race, my course and my purpose. Help me to see it and my purpose to endure hardness as a good soldier and finish my race. Come on, say it again. Finish my race. By your grace, I will finish my race and my course with joy. Come on, pray in the Spirit some about it. Pray in the Spirit. Go live in Asi. Ese langonji. Iske loksujuji. Mande bane This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.